This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Once again, we start by dealing with a voice that appears out of nowhere, a voice belonging to the Whistler. This program was first aired in 1942. Wait a minute. Have you heard the strange tales of the Whistler? I'm the Whistler. John was here in this room. I saw him and talked to him. He had a message for me. And while he was here, the room was filled with the odor of musty roses. Another Sunday night, and again, CBS presents The Whistler. the whistler know many things for I walk by night I know many strange tales many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows and so I tell you tonight the unusual story of apparition in the midst of a circle of tall moaning pines spreads an old mansion on the second floor a low light burns in a large bedroom the bedroom of Elizabeth Kemper the elderly mistress of the mansion. Mrs. Kemper's husband, John, died suddenly a year ago and left his entire estate to his wife, Elizabeth. Shortly after John's death, Elizabeth brought her husband's sister, Bertha, and Bertha's daughter, Celia, to live with her. Since John's death, Elizabeth's health has gradually failed and she has taken to her bed. In the meantime, Elizabeth's only sister, Mary, has come to live in the great house and Mary's son, Herbert. Now, long past midnight, Elizabeth tosses in her bed and mumbles. John. John. What is it? What do you want? Why don't you say it? Suddenly, Elizabeth's door bursts open, and Bertha moves into the room and stands beside the bed. Elizabeth? Elizabeth? Huh? Huh? Elizabeth! It's Bertha. Oh. Bertha. Oh, yes, Bertha. Why did you scream? Scream? Did I scream? Yes. Just as I came in the room. You must have frightened me. Were you dreaming? No, I... I don't think so. But I don't know. I... I thought John was here. John? You thought John was here? Yes. Standing there beside the bed. Elizabeth. I saw him, too, just a moment ago. What? In my room. Oh, but that's nonsense. Why should he always appear to you? I'm his sister. Yes. Yes, of course. John was trying to tell me something. Something about you. What? He was trying to tell me that you should listen to him. Listen to him? Something about the property. What about the property? He says he made a mistake. Mistake? He says he wasn't killed accidentally. He did it deliberately. He committed suicide. Suicide? Why should he have done that? He hasn't explained that. But he says now he knows the truth about everything. He knows that his reason for hating me and cutting me off in his will was unfounded. And he's sorry. He's been trying to reach you, but you aren't receptive. You claim you've seen John every night since the day he died. I have, Elizabeth. I swear I have. I've seen him many times in my dreams. 
But why doesn't he tell me what he wants? Some night, Elizabeth, John will reach you in your waking moments. Then you'll believe me. Well, I can't understand it. He didn't like you and he told me so. Why should he change now? Perhaps it would be best if Celia and I left you. Why should you want to leave all of a sudden? You have your own sister and her son, Herbert. You won't be alone. I only knew what John was trying to say to me. I've told you what he's been saying to me. Mother, is anything wrong? We heard someone scream. At least I thought I did. No, nothing's wrong. Go back to bed. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, what is it? What's what, Mary? Oh, dear me, I, I heard someone scream. What was it? Are oh, you all right, Elizabeth? Yes, Mary, I had a nightmare, that's all. Oh, well, I, I was worried. You better go back to bed, all of you. I'll be all right. Yes. Yes, come along, everybody. I'll see you in the morning. Good night. But, Mother, why do you keep frightening Aunt Elizabeth by telling her about Uncle John? I'm not frightening her. She should know the truth. But she is frightened. Why, she's getting worse and worse. Are you sure you have seen Uncle really? Do you dare suggest that I'm lying? Is that what you mean, Celia? No, no, Mother. I didn't mean that honest. It's better. And don't you ever say such a thing again. But why doesn't he appear to Aunt Elizabeth? She only dreams about him. That's something that can't be answered. There are those who are gifted with the powers to see those who have departed. See them and talk with them. I'm one of those so gifted. Do you understand? Yes, yes, Mother. John is trying to get a message to Elizabeth about me... And because he finds it difficult to reach her, he's chosen me as the medium. What is the message? He left me nothing in his will because he hated me and thought I hated him. But you did. I did not. It was his imagination. But now he's learned the truth. Now he knows I had nothing but his best interests at heart. He's trying to tell Elizabeth to leave all the estate to me. And he will continue to return to this house until his mission is accomplished. Then his soul can rest in peace. I'm frightened, Mother. I don't want to stay here another day. I can't stand it you here. You stay here until I'm ready to leave. Do you hear me? Yes, yes, Mother. I, I hear. Now stop this nonsense and go to bed. Yes, Mother. I, I'm sorry. You'd better be. In another part of the great house, Herbert is talking with his mother, Mary, Elizabeth's own sister. Oh, now, now, Mother, get hold of yourself. Oh, I'm terribly frightened, Herbert. Why should you be frightened? Nothing can harm you. What have you to be afraid of? Oh, there's something awful in this house. I can feel it. I don't want to stay here any longer. We must leave before it's too late. I'll admit that strange things are going on, but I'm not ready to leave here. Not just yet. We don't belong here, Elizabeth is your own sister. I don't think John wants us here. Do you really believe that John's spirit is walking around this place every night? Well, what else? Then why doesn't he say what he's trying to say and get it over? Well, I can't stay here much longer. I'll I'll lose my mind. I can imagine John's not wanting Bertha here, since he stipulated in his will that Aunt Elizabeth must never give Bertha a dollar of the estate. But what's he got against you? Nothing. He didn't say that Elizabeth couldn't leave you a part of it. All I want to do is to get out of this house. Well, I don't feel that way about it. Why should you walk out and leave everything to Bertha? Well, that's why John's staying around here. He doesn't want anyone here. Well, ghost or no ghost, I'm not walking out at a time like this. Then, then I will. I'm leaving here tomorrow. Oh, no. No, you're not leaving. We're both staying until, until Aunt Elizabeth makes her will. You're staying here whether you like it or not. You hear? Yes, Herbert. But nothing good will come of it. I'm convinced of that. <laughs> no? Well, we'll see about that. Good night, Mother. An hour later, Mary has finally dropped off to sleep. Then, as the clock strikes three, a figure in white slips into Mary's room and stands beside the bed. Slowly, Mary opens her eyes and stifles a scream. Who is it? What do you want? I want to talk to you, Mary. Who is that? I have a message for you. A message? Yes. John is here, standing beside me. I, I don't see anyone. He is here. What? What is the message? John says that Elizabeth is planning to leave the estate to you. But he's learned the truth. He knows that his dislike for me was unfounded. He wants the estate left to me, because it's rightfully mine. 
And he'll never be able to rest in peace until that is accomplished. Oh, I, I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. Then estate. if you want to escape this torment, you must convince your sister that John made a mistake. If you accept any part of it, John will never let you rest. Do you understand? Yes, 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 I understand. Very well, we'll leave you now. Good night. Elizabeth! Elizabeth, wake up! Oh, what? Wake up! Oh, Mary, what's wrong? You're shaking like a leaf. He, he was in my room. Who? John, he was in my room. Mary, what are you saying? He had a message. He said you were planning to leave the estate to me, according to his will. But he made a mistake about Bertha. He wants you to leave it to her. So he can rest in peace. Mary, are you out of your mind? No, no, you must believe me. I don't want any part of the estate. Oh, please, promise me. Leave it to Bertha and have done with it. I, I refuse to accept it. Get control of yourself, Mary. I'm leaving here in the morning. I'm frightened. And if you had any sense, you'd leave too. If you stay here, you'll go mad. Very well, Mary. If that's what you call gratitude, you can go. Oh, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, but I, I won't remain another night. Are you sure you saw John? No, but he was there in my room. Did you talk with him? No. No, that is, I... Well, then how do you know he was there? Well, Bertha told me he was there. Bertha? Was she there, too? Oh, yes. She she told me what he wanted. He said he couldn't reach you. Oh, why should John appear to everyone but me? Oh, I don't know. But I, I know he was there. I could sense it. I tell you, there was someone in the room with Bertha... It must have been John. Oh, let Bertha have the estate or something terrible will happen to all of us. Oh, please, Elizabeth. Go to bed, Mary. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Yes, Elizabeth. The next day, Herbert goes into town and pays a visit to Henry Wentworth, Elizabeth's attorney. Wentworth was also John's attorney for many years and was familiar with the family for two decades. Mr. Wentworth, you drew John Kemper's will. Yes, I did. Have you any idea why he cut his sister Bertha off without a dollar? No, but in the last five years, John turned against Bertha. Turned against her violently. Why? I don't really know. She was his only sister, and he had no brothers. It was very strange. What happened to Bertha's husband? Well, he died about five years ago. Committed suicide. He worked with John at one time. Then John set him up in a business of his own. Thought he went to the wall in the crash of 29 lost every penny. Just couldn't take it, so he killed himself. He left nothing? Nothing but an insurance policy to his wife, Bertha. Didn't amount to much. 5,000, I think. Were John and Bertha's husband on good terms? Well, apparently the best of friends. How did Bertha's husband die? Took poison. Overdose of sleeping tablets. Oh, I see. But from the day Bertha's husband died, John, her brother, seemed to turn against Bertha. And shortly changed his will, cutting Bertha off. I was the only one who knew about it until the will was read. Have you any idea why he changed the will? No. None whatever. It was none of my business. Ah, uh, yes. Well, thank you, Mr. Wentworth. I, I appreciate your telling me this. Good day. Then Herbert pays another visit. A visit to Dr. Martin, formerly John Kemper's physician. Dr. Martin is at first reluctant to talk, but finally answers a few questions. Uh, doctor, uh, you were John Kemper's physician for many years? Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. Was there anything wrong with him? You mean, was he unbalanced? Uh, no, no. Did he have any severe ailments? Well, no. Well, in the last year or so, he seemed to change considerably, though. Became a bit morose. Anything wrong with his heart? Well, yes and no, Yes and no? Well, he, he began to suffer from severe headaches. Took to using a lot of aspirin. Of course, too much of anything's bad. Uh, he was killed in a car wreck. Yes, he'd been to the city and was driving back home late at night. Drove off into the ditch. Did you attend him? I saw the body shortly after the wreck. He'd been dead about an hour, badly smashed up. Was it his heart? Oh, could have been, but I, I think he went to sleep at the wheel. Was there an autopsy? No, it was obvious how he died. His skull had been crushed in. Mm -hmm. Who had he visited in the city on business? I don't know. I never thought about it. Where is John Kemper buried? In the family vault at the edge of his own estate. Didn't you know that? Huh? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, I'd forgotten. Uh, well, good day, Doctor. And thanks for the information.
night the household prepares to settle down to sleep. One by one, the lights go out in the various rooms. Now only that in Elizabeth's room remains. Will there be anything else, ma'am? No. No, Higgins. That'll be all. Has everyone gone to bed? Oh, yes, ma'am. They've all retired. Is the milk warm enough? Yes. Good night, Higgins. Good night, ma'am. I hope you rest well tonight. Thank you, Higgins. The moon bathes the estate in its eerie glow. The big clock strikes off the hour. Then, in the distance, there is the howl of a dog. A mournful howl of impending doom. John's dog crying in its loneliness. Across the lawn from the family vault walks a haggard figure in the moonlight. A figure with long white hair walking toward the house. And a few moments later, the weird figure appears in Mary's room, stands in the shadows and points at Mary. What, what do you want? Who are you? I am John. John? Oh, good heavens. I've come back to talk to you. You must hear me. Uh, I hear you. I made a great mistake in life. I hated my sister, but I know all things now. Bertha's a good woman. I'm doomed to walk this place without rest until I've made amends. Do you understand? Yes. Yes, I, I understand. If Elizabeth refuses to listen to my pleas and leaves this estate to you, you will never rest a moment under this roof, for I can never leave. It rightfully belongs to Bertha, and to her it must go. Oh, I, I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. I won't stay here. I promise, just, just let me alone. I will, if you and your son leave here at once. We will. We will. I... Oh, where are you? John? Are you here? John? <gasps> Mary gasps and suddenly falls back on her pillow. Poor Mary has fainted dead away. From the darkened stairway, the great clock chimes out the hour. Three o'clock. Elizabeth. Eyes closed but still awake, senses a presence and slowly opens her eyes. Standing close beside her is the white-haired figure, its face hidden in the shadows. No, no, Elizabeth, don't turn on the light. Who? Who is it? You wouldn't want to see me. I've been out there too long. John! John! At last I've reached through to you. Oh, I must be dreaming again, no. I... Why? Why are you whispering, John? I'm not whispering, Elizabeth. Can't you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can hear you. I... What is that odor? Odor? Yes, a strange odor. Like... like the smell of flowers. A musty odor of roses. Why? I've just come from the vault, Elizabeth. John! John, what is it? What do you want? You're going to make your will tomorrow. Yes, yes. Only you can right the wrong I've done. Wrong? My father left this estate to me with the understanding that I should leave it to Bertha. Yes, I know. I suspected her of wrongdoing and cut her off and instructed you to do so. Yes. But now I know that I was wrong. You must leave the estate to her. You must right my wrongs so that I can go on to my rest. Yes, yes, John. If you fail to do this... I shall be doomed to walk this place throughout eternity. And all those who come here shall not know a moment's peace. Yes, I understand, John. If you fail me, you too shall suffer my torment with me forever. Yes, I... I'll do it. I'll do as you say, only... I... John... Your heart, Elizabeth? Yes, I... You haven't much time, Elizabeth. You'll be joining me soon. I know. John, where are you? I promise, John. I promise. Elizabeth clutches at her heart, gasping for breath. A few moments pass, and she revives sufficiently to reach for the stimulant on the nightstand. She pours a dose. And as she swallows it, she glances out the window over the moonlit grounds. Across the lawn moves the white-haired figure, gliding toward the family vault at the edge of the estate. 
John! John! <gasps> Elizabeth drops the glass and falls to the floor. A few seconds later, Bertha hurries into the room. Elizabeth! Elizabeth! Mary! Herbert! What happened, Mother? Hurry! Good heavens! Is she all right? Elizabeth! Elizabeth! Oh! Who screamed? Must have been Elizabeth. Had another attack. Where? She's still breathing. Put her on the bed. Well, there's her medicine. I'll get another glass. You stay here, Mary. I'll get the glass from the bathroom. What do you suppose happened to her? Maybe. Maybe it was the... Was what? I don't... I don't know. What's wrong with you, Mother? You're white as a sheet. Oh, am I? What are you trying to say? Well, I saw it, too. Saw what? What did you see? Well, uh, I saw him. John. He was in my room a while ago. I, I talked to him. You talked to him? Yes, and he talked to me. I, I heard him and I saw him. What did he say? Stop whimpering and tell us. He said... He said... Oh, mother, mother, stop it, stop it. Oh, I won't stay. I won't stay. I won't. Come back here. Grab her, see you. Elizabeth's coming, too. Uh, Aunt Elizabeth. Aunt Elizabeth. Uh, oh, but I... You're, you're all right now. Just take it easy. Yes. Yes, I'm all right. What's wrong with... Mary. She says she saw John and talked to him. What? I think she's imagining things. No, no. She isn't imagining things. I I know. I, I saw him, too. He was here. He talked to oh, me. Oh, now, look, Aunt Elizabeth. The whole thing is... No, here. no, no. He was here. It was no dream. I saw him walk through the garden toward the vault. When? It can't be very long ago. There was a strange, sickly odor in the room all the while he was here. It smelled like musty roses. Oh, be quiet, Mother. Now maybe you believe what I've been telling you. What did he say? It was about his will and my will. And he talked about Bertha. About me? Yes. He said he was wrong about you. Wants to make things right through me. He knew I intended to make my will tomorrow. And he told me just what to do. Yes, that's what he said to me, too. You? Yes. Why, this is the strangest thing I've ever encountered. Why should he talk to you? Well, he did, I tell you. And Elizabeth must do what he wants. Otherwise, something will happen. What will happen? Oh, I, I don't know. I want you to call Mr. Wentworth, the lawyer, and have him here first thing in the morning. I want to draw my will, as John tells me. Yeah, very well. I, I think I'll have a look around the grounds. Never go back to sleep now, anyway. So, uh, good night, Aunt Elizabeth. Herbert wanders about the grounds for a while and finally goes to Higgins, the butler, and after some persuasion obtains the keys to the family vault. The next morning, the lawyer, Wentworth, visits Elizabeth in her room. Well, how are you this morning, Elizabeth? Much better, Mr. Wentworth. Here you had a bad night. Yes, I guess I had another attack. Oh, so? Uh, Mr. Wentworth, I want to draw up my will. I should have done it long ago, but, well, something held me back. I see. Well, I'll take down the data and have it typed, then bring it back for you to sign. I'll be in court all day, probably through the evening, so I'll have to come around 11 tonight. Very well, as soon as possible. Good. Now, let's have the particulars. Yes. To my sister, Mary Wilton, I leave the five-room cottage in Danbury. Mm -hmm. To my nephew, Herbert Wilton, I leave $1,000 in cash. Yes. And to my husband's sister, Bertha Mallory... I leave all other property, personal and real, amounting to some $400,000. What? Please. Amounting to some $400,000, according to my late husband's wishes. What do you mean? John stipulated that you leave not a penny to Bertha. John has changed his mind. When did he change his mind? Since his death. Don't you think we'd better postpone this until you feel better? I want my will drawn just as I have told you. But what do you mean by saying John has changed his mind? How could he? He told me so. Last night. You know what you're saying. Yes. I saw John. I talked to him. He was wrong in his attitude toward Bertha. Oh, this is... This is ridiculous. I want it done as I say. Very well. I'll draw it up this way. But I certainly think that... You think that... I'm insane? Well, since you bring it up, yes, I do. So did I, at first. But I'm not. I'll be expecting you around 11 tonight, Mr. Wentworth. Yes. Yes, of course. I, I'll be here.
Now it is shortly after 11 the same night. The lawyer has returned to the will, and Elizabeth has called her three relatives to her room. Very well, Mr. Wentworth. This is drawn the way I want it. You mean as John wants it? I mean just that. <laughs> I'm leaving the property that was mine before I married John, a small cottage, to you, Mary, and $1,000 to Herbert. All else I am leaving according to John's directions to you, Bertha. That's the way John wants it. And that's the way it shall be. You must do as you think best. I'm doing as John wishes. Hand me the pen, Wentworth. There you are. And I hope you all understand. I don't. Thank you, Elizabeth. Well, now that you've got it, Bertha, what good is it going to do you? What do you mean? How much chance do you think you'll have to use it? What happiness do you think it'll bring you? More than it would you. Isn't it rightfully mine? Is it? That's the way John wanted oh, it. Oh, no, it is. It's the way you want it. I had nothing to do with John it. John made a will. He's never wanted to change. Elizabeth knows better than that. Aunt Elizabeth knows nothing of the kind. This is my house now, and the sooner you leave, the better. You'll be living sooner than I will, you and your spooks. You don't believe in ghosts, and you never saw one. I saw John. Night after night, everyone saw everyone him. Everyone but me, because I'm not a dunk. Your own mother Mary saw him and talked oh, to him. Hush, John is dead in his coffin out there in the vault. I saw him. But I did see him. So did I. You wouldn't know if you did see him. We would. We've seen him. Yeah. Then turn around. Turn around, all of you. And look. John. Good Lord. Him. Is that John? Is it? Yes, yes. Take off your wig. Higgins. Yes, the butler. There's your spook. I'm sorry, ma'am. I, I... You can go, Higgins. I'll explain everything. Yes. Bertha hired Higgins to impersonate John. That's a lie. Higgins would never have done it if he'd known about the murders. I trapped him into it. He confessed everything. Murders? What do you mean? I got wise to the whole thing. I investigated the whole story about Bertha's husband and John's accidental death. They were both murdered. You're lying. I have the bodies exhumed and examined. They both died of an overdose of sleeping tablets. The very same purchased by Bertha at a certain drugstore. He's crazy. He's crazy. I tell she you, don't listen. She put the tablets in her husband's aspirin bottle. She was the one John visited. That night he had the wreck. She must have drugged him. That's why he went to sleep at the wheel. I didn't. I didn't. She killed her husband for his insurance. And John cut her off on his will because he suspected that she killed her husband. It's a lie. A lie, I tell John you. never wanted his will changed. I have proof of the whole thing. And the police are waiting outside now. You haven't a chance, Bertha. You're guilty. The police. Oh, what no, no. good will all this do you? Where is your fortune now? They'll hang you. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. I did it. I don't know why, but I did it. I gave him the tablet. Did Higgins know that? No. No, he didn't know. I... Oh! Bertha, she's fainted. Mother! Oh. No, she hasn't fainted. What's wrong with her? She's dead. Oh, Mother... Hand me that will, Mr. Wentworth. I want to draw up a new one in the morning. Well, there you are. That's the story. John never wanted his will changed, and for good reason. He really knew the truth. But wait a minute. How did you figure this one out, Herbert? You didn't really have those bodies exhumed, did you? I didn't have them exhumed. And if I had, there would have been no traces of sleeping tablets left. And there were no police waiting outside. I was bluffing. Working on pure hypothesis. But it did work. Yes, it worked, Herbert. And it afforded me a very nice story indeed. <laughs> Thank you, Herbert. You're welcome. <laughs> CBS has presented The Whistler. production was composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The Whistler is written and directed by J. Donald Wilson and originates from Columbia Square in Hollywood. Next week, same time, I, the Whistler, will return to tell you another weird tale. Good night. <laughs> 
This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Time now for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, who were at the height of their popularity the year this show was on the radio, 1949. It's the Martin and Lewis Show. The National Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed from Hollywood, the Martin and Lewis Show. Featuring Flo McMichael, Sheldon Leonard, Ben Alexander, Dick Stabile and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Well, right now we find Dean and Jerry in their hotel room preparing to go to their nightclub. The boys have made a strenuous series of personal appearances. Jerry especially is all tired out. Evening. I sure wish we didn't have to go to the club tonight. I'd rather just stay here in a room and read a book or listen to our Martin and Lewis program being released at a more inconvenient time. You know, Jerry, you don't seem to have much pep tonight. I think you need some proper exercise, Jerry, and maybe a bodybuilding course. What'd you say? I said, wouldn't you like to take a course in bodybuilding? Sure, if I could learn to build one like Ava Gardner. <laughs> Jerry, I, I'm trying to give you advice. Can't you be serious once? Must you always play the buffoon? Buffoon? <laughs> what do you mean buffoon? I don't play the buffoon. I play the trumpet. Jerry! I used to play the trumpet back home at the Elks Club every Saturday night. Jerry, will you please stop? You know, it's times like these that make me think you should have kept your nose and had the rest of you removed. <laughs> Jerry, now, how can you talk to me like that? You know, it hurts me when you say things about my physical appearance. I'm sorry, Dean. I didn't mean it. As a matter of fact, I was just going to say how good you look in that suit. Well, thanks, Jerry. Of course, clothes make the man. After all, what would a man be without clothes? Naked. <laughs> oh, come on. Get your coat and let's go. All right. I wonder if I need my raincoat. Wait a minute. I'll pull up the window shade and see what the weather is like. Not bad, just a little drizzle. I think a... <laughs> What's the matter? Look across the court and I window there. See? There's a hand with a gun in it. Yeah, and it's aimed right at the guy's back. <laughs> oh, he did it! Look, they pulled down the shade, Jerry. This is awful. Call the manager. Yeah, we ought to insist on another room immediately. <laughs> no, we've got to report the murder. Why don't we call the police? The managers like to know these things first. Oh, I see. That gives him a chance to move the body to another hotel. <laughs> Look, if you're not going to call, I'll do it. Don't get excited, Dean. Keep calm. The main thing is keep calm. Oh, quiet, Jerry. Relax. Get your mind off of it. Think of a pretty girl. <laughs> you know, that must be room 607 across from us. They don't seem to answer. Come on, Jerry. Let's go down to the manager's office. Jerry? Jerry, what's that strange look on your face? Ah, oh, Dean, you spoiled everything. I was just thinking of a pretty girl. I almost had a friend for you. <laughs> Have you forgotten that we've got to report a murder? Now, let's go to the elevator. Gee, these thick hotel carpets are noisy. <laughs> Now, look, Jerry, don't open your mouth about this murder until we see the manager. Anyone might be the guilty party, you know. Going down. Okay. <laughs> Lovely day. Yeah. Hey, Dean, you think she did it? No, don't be silly. I'll find out. I'll question her. Hey, sister, see anything suspicious in the last few minutes? What do you mean? Any dead people get on the elevator? <laughs> Oh, Jerry, lay up. I I'm sorry, miss. Uh, did he frighten you? Oh, that kind of talk doesn't scare me. I once found two bodies. Well, you certainly kept the right one. <laughs> Name Lobby. Now, look, there's the manager's office, Jerry. Come on, hurry, hurry. Gee, our feet make the same noise on a tile floor that they do on a carpet. <laughs> Well, there's the manager in there now. Let's not scare him. Break her gently. 
hello, Mr. Silvernail. Well, how do you do, gentlemen? My, you both look upset. Got a complaint? Yes, you gave us a room overlooking a murder. <laughs> what are you talking about? We saw someone get murdered. Yeah, and we think it's room 607. Oh, a couple of peeping toms. <laughs> I am not. I only looked through a keyhole once in my life and never did it again. Why not? Someone stuck a key in my eye and tried to open my head. <laughs> What about you, Martin? Don't tell me you never looked through a keyhole. Absolutely not. I'm a transom man. <laughs> Look, Mr. Silvernail, we're wasting time. The murderer will escape. Look, I know you boys are great jokesters, but let's not kid about a thing like that. But the man in 607 was killed, and we know it. Mr. Milford lives in room 607. He's just not the type of person who gets murdered. Call room 607 on a phone, and if a man answers... Brother, have you got long distance? <laughs> Listen, I don't have time for this nonsense. I'm a busy man. Good day. Good day. Good day. <laughs> ah, come on, Jerry. No use talking to him. You'll be sorry. Next time we see a man get murdered here, we won't tell you, and he'll just lay there running up a big bill. Ah, <laughs> oh, don't argue, Jerry. We'll just have to call the police. That's what we should have done first. Here, I'll use this phone in the lobby. <clears throat> Hello, operator. I want to report a murder to the police. Police department, homicide, Sergeant Douglas. Listen, Sergeant, my name is Jerry Lewis. <laughs> I said something. <laughs> Listen, Sergeant, uh, I want to report a murder. <laughs> Gosh, I remember when I used to have to tell jokes to get laughed. <laughs> Sergeant, there's been a murder. <laughs> oh, this is no use. See, if a murder does that, just think of the laugh we could get with a massacre. Hey, Jerry, look who's walking across the lobby. Why, it's the famous reporter, Emma Blurb. Nadine, she could help us. She must know all the police reporters. Oh, that's right. Uh, Miss Blurb. Well, Jerry Lewis Dean. Martin. <laughs> Miss Blurb, we've got to talk to you. Oh, and you boys got to scoop. Someone has been murdered. Oh, a double scoop. Miss Blurb, we don't know who the victim is, but uh, we certainly saw him murdered. Murdered in cold blood. We didn't take the temperature. Uh, we've got to get the police over here, but... They won't listen to us. We thought perhaps you could call a police reporter and... Oh, I'm sorry. I don't report murders unless the victims are being sued for divorce. You mean you won't help us? Well, perhaps I will. If I'm nice to you, maybe someday if you're having a baby, you'll tell me first. If I'm ever having a baby, I think I should tell my wife first. <laughs> Jerry Lewis, you're pulling. My leg and I think you're very... Miss <laughs> Blurp, what about the murder? Oh, yes, murder. I have one thing to say to all murders. Surely you know that you're not helping the box office any by killing people. If you must kill somebody, at least try and limit it to people who buy popcorn. <laughs> and now, good... Uh, oh, yes, good night. <laughs> Well, that's a lot of help she gave us. Come on, Jerry, let's get to the police. Okay, Dean, but before we go, will you sing a song? It'll add to the suspense. <laughs> but how can I sing here in the hotel lobby? Easy. There's a potted orchestra behind those plans. <laughs> well, okay, come on, stand by for telling. Hey! 
Forget about the whole thing Forget that we've seen a murder committed? Dean, what are you saying? I couldn't forget the whole thing What would my scoutmaster say? <laughs> Jerry, are you still a boy scout? Yes, and don't forget A boy scout is loyal A boy scout is truthful A boy scout is trustworthy And next week I'm joining the Girl Scouts <laughs> Joining the Girl Scouts? Why? A boy scout also likes to have fun <laughs> Well, Jerry, we still have quite a problem on our hands. You know, if nobody will believe we saw a murder, what are we going to do? We got to get to the police station. Oh, this being in a police station makes me kind of nervous. Now, come on, Jerry, let's talk to the desk sergeant. I beg your pardon, sir. Oh, hello. Uh, find a stray dog? No, this is my partner, Jerry Lord. <laughs> Well, I suppose it's all right, then. Sure it's all right. I got a license. <laughs> Look, Mr. Policeman, we just saw a murder committed. Yeah, over at the Plaza Hotel, and there was terrible blood all over the place, hollering and screaming. Oh, it was terrible, wasn't it, Jerry? Yeah, it was murder. <laughs> Look, I know all about you guys. They called me from the hotel. You're just troublemakers, and I don't want to hear anything. Oh, troublemakers? Yeah. Hey, Charlie, throw these troublemakers out. Okay, Joy Boys. Here we go. Up, Daisy. Hey, hold on there. You... Well, that was a bright idea. Now what'll we do? I know. Let's go to the newspapers. They've got to listen to us. Yeah, those newspaper guys are always very nice. You know that, Jerry? They've got a lot of influence, too. Hey, Jerry, do you know Walter Winchell? You mean the head of the FBI? <laughs> Jerry, do we know any reporters? No, but we're standing right in front of a newspaper office now. Let's go in. <laughs> Come on, Dean. Follow me down this corridor. I've been here before. I'll find someone who'll believe our murder story. I'm right behind you, Jerry. Hey, this is quite a big newspaper office at that. Yeah. Look in this door here. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Sugar is sweet. And so are... Um... Oh, darn, I just can't seem to get it to rhyme. Well, who was that? Nick Kenny. <laughs> hey, look, Jerry, there's another door. Let's look and see who's working in there. Sure. Let's see who's in there. Oh, excuse us, Mr. Pegler. <laughs> Oh, look, Dean. There's the editor's office. He's the one we want. Come on in here. Yes? Hey, what's the idea of bringing that Dalmatian in here? <laughs> that's not a Dalmatian. That's Jerry Lewis. A dog with a last name? <laughs> no, no. You don't quite understand. I'm Jerry Lewis. I'm a fella. <laughs> You see, Mr. Editor, we live over at the Plaza Hotel and we saw a murder. Oh, I know all about it. 
And I know all about you, too. Hey, Murphy, throw these two bums out of here. <laughs> okay, boss. Come on, kiddies. Dowdy's gonna kiss you goodbye. <laughs> Well, here we are, out in the street again. Fine thing. Murder's committed. Nobody cares. I guess here after we better just mind our own business. Yeah, that's the best way. There they are, boys. There's the two nuts that are running loose. Grab them. Look, where'd Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis? We know, we know. We're taking you to a nice, quiet place in the country where you can work the whole thing out. Come on, Joe, get the jackets on him. Hey, let me go, will well, you? What's the idea? I'm Dean Martin, the singer. Yeah? How do I know that? Sing him a couple of notes, Dean. Yeah, listen, I'll prove it. Georgia. Georgia. The whole day through Just an old sweet song Keeps Georgia On my mind Georgia on my mind Georgia Georgia song of you comes as sweet and clear as moonlight through the pine other arms reach out to me other eyes smile tenderly Still in peaceful dreams I see the road leads back to you Georgia, Georgia No peace I find Just an old sweet song Keeps Georgia on my mind Other arms reach out to me Other eyes smile tender Still in peaceful dreams I see The road leads back to you Georgia Georgia No peace I find just an old sweet song keeps Georgia on one. Well, what do you say now, bud? Do you believe he's Dean Martin? You convinced now? No, you're not Dean Martin. You're Bing Crosby. <laughs> Come on, into the car, boys. But where are you taking it? Oh, don't worry. You'll like it there. You'll meet a lot of your old friends. Old friends? Who? Oh, like Napoleon. Napoleon? But he's been dead so long, he'll never remember me. <laughs> I'll introduce you. Now, come on, get in the car. Dean. Yeah, Jer. This guy's taking us for a ride, Dean. I've seen it a million times in the movies. They take us to a lonely road and leave us to die. We're lost. 
We wander around hopeless, starving, we're hungry. There's nothing to eat, and we finally start looking at each other like cannibals. And you come over to me and start feeling where the white meat is, and Dean. Why? Take big bites, don't let me suffer. Ah, oh, stop it, Jeff! Okay, boys, here we are. Hey, Jerry, look at the sign on the cake. Dr. Heimer's sanitarium. Sanatorium. A sanitarium? A sanatorium? A, a serotanium? Oh. Why are they taking us here? We've always been sanitary. Come on, boys, right across this patch of grass... Gee, wooden grass. Just a minute, I'll open the door. Gee, it's just like a hospital. Look at this barred door with a sign on it. It says, don't open this door. Men inside crazy as bedbugs. <laughs> Pardon me, son. I know what the sign on our cell door says, but it's not true. We're not crazy. Would you do something to get us released? Gee, you sure sound all right to me. Don't you worry, mister. I'll, I'll try and get you out of here. Oh, thank you, son. Thank you. Believe me, if you can do it, you'll have the eternal gratitude of all us bedbugs. <laughs> Dean, I'm really getting nervous. Let's get out of here. Yeah, maybe we can sneak through this door. Maybe it leads to an exit. Well, welcome in, boys. I've been waiting for you. Sophie, what are you doing in a plate? Play, play, uh, Sophie! Do it again. So, how's the family? What are you doing in a place like this? Shh, quiet. In a place like this, I am a trustee here. I am in charge of the petty cash. Sophie, they trust you with their money? Yeah, and they think I'm crazy. <laughs> Isn't that silly? Now, now, how could I be crazy? Just look at me. I'm, I'm handsome. I'm, I'm suave. Curly hair. 940 miles tall. Four feet wide. 940 miles tall and four feet wide. Yeah, I was born on a train between New York and Chicago. <laughs> oh, stop, Toby. We're in an awful jam. Dean and I saw a murder being committed, and we reported it to the police, and now here we are here. Oh, you're here, eh? You saw a murder, huh? Well, I'll tell you, you'll be all right. The only trouble with you is that you have got a new rosis. Yeah, I know. I traded in my old rosis. <laughs> You said I have neurosis, which is a sickness, see? Well, when you said new roses, I said I traded in for my old roses. It's all a form of a gag. It's just funny because the words sounded alike, and uh, look how he's staring at me. Now, Sophie, tell us, what's the real reason that you're here? Well, I am, uh, I'm learning a business, you know. I may open up a place of my own. <laughs> well, where will you get the customers? Why, all of my friends will come. Ah, oh, you haven't got any friends who belong in a place like this? I haven't. I certainly do. Certainly do. I got... One of them is in the third cell down the hall now. Guy thinks he's an airplane. <laughs> hey, look, look. Here he comes now. <laughs> well, what do you know? He changed his mind. Fellas, I'll tell you, I'll see if I can get you. I'll see if I can get you out of here. But first, let's see if we can convince the doctor that you are sane, eh? Come on. Oh, come in, gentlemen. Come in. Oh, you'll have to excuse me, but I feel terrible. Bad news, very bad news. I lost my uncle in the East. He stepped down to get into a Hudson. <laughs> what about it? It was the Hudson River. <laughs> hey, Sophie. Isn't this guy slightly nuts himself? 
Well, I'll tell you, I wouldn't be surprised. He's got a good reason. You know, once, once when he was operating on a patient, and after he sewed him up, found out that he left his telephone inside. Hey, that's terrible. That's what drove him out of his mind, eh? Oh, yeah, naturally. They were phoning him from Hollywood calling. <laughs> All right, now. We'll give you the word association test. Just say the first word that pops into your head. Ready now? Table. Girl. Carpet. Girl. Chair. Girl. This little schnook is really nuts. <laughs> he thinks he's Errol Flynn. Now, come on, Jay. Do it right or we'll never get out of here. All right, now, once more. Cat. Meow. Dog. <laughs> Towel. Boom. What was that? Cannon towel. <laughs> well, the word association test is no good. Come here, I'm going to tap your head with this little hammer. First in front. Then in the back. Now in the front of the next. Oh, shucks, another single-headed foul. <laughs> in here alone while I go get the head psychiatrist. Oh, now we're in for it, Jerry. I know how these psychiatrists work. They make you lie down on a couch and they cross-examine you. Well, I'll lie down on it. Oh, this is comfortable. So these guys just ask a bunch of questions, huh? Start talking, Jerry. What do I talk about? Tell me, did you ever have dreams as a child? No. You see, I was an incubator baby. Do you have dreams now? Yes. What do you dream about? Pressure cookers. <laughs> well, let's try another angle. How much is one and one? Two. How much is two and two? Let's go back to one and one. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jerry, cut that out. Come on, I hear footsteps in the hall. Oh, the psychiatrist was busy at the meeting, but I, I told the board about you two and got a ruling on your case. Now, I don't want you to be hurt, but it's obvious that you two are not quite like us. <laughs> Come on, doctor, what's the ruling? Get out of this asylum immediately, both of you. Get out? Yes, and don't you dare ever come around bothering us bedbugs again. <laughs> Ah, oh, Jerry, our hotel room never looked so good before. But after what we've been through, the police and that sanitarium, anything would look good. Yeah, what a day. And all because we thought we saw a murder. Remember? I pulled up the shade to see if it was raining like this. And I happened to look across the court and... <laughs> What's the matter, Jerry? Look, a guy with a gun. He's repeating the murder for the West Coast. <laughs> No, that won't do any good. Look, he's... Jerry, we've got to get the police. Yeah, no. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> Jerry, what are you laughing at? Look, the victim just turned into a can of red-hard dog food. <laughs> Jerry, you're hysterical. No, I'm not, Dean. Don't you see? All this trouble was for nothing. There were no murders. All the time we've been just seeing a television show. Doggone <laughs> those new 72-inch screens. <laughs> Folks. See you next week, everybody. Martin Lewis Show, transcribed in Hollywood, is produced by Robert L. Redd and written by Charlie Isaacs and Jack Douglas. This has been another in the series of stellar comedy programs sent your way every day by the National Broadcasting Company. Always tune to NBC for the best in comedy, drama, music, news, adventure, and mystery. It's all yours for the listening on NBC. Martin... Screen Director's Playhouse has moved to Fridays in this same time period. Tune in Friday at this time and hear John Garfield in the Screen Director's Playhouse. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.